0: So if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like to turn to Matthew, the 25th chapter. Today I'm going to let the Scriptures do a lot of speaking for me. Possibly read a lot of Scripture. But I've prayed for you here today. And I've asked the Spirit of Truth to open the eyes of your understanding that He would enlighten you to what we're talking about here today. And I'll I'll explain that here in a minute. But I'm going to let the Scriptures speak a lot today, and it's the Spirit of Truth that interprets. It's the Spirit of Truth that brings you the understanding. I've prayed for you here today that that's exactly what will happen. So if you would give me your undivided attention, and you believe God, and believe that the Spirit of Truth can open your understanding and lighten your eyes, it very well could happen for you here today. I believe it will. Amen? So I'm talking with one of our deacons here in California the other day, and um, We were talking about how you minister. And I made the statement, when I minister, I minister to the Lord. I'm not there trying to save physical people. Uh, I'm ministering to the Lord, ministering to his souls. Ezekiel 18, all souls are mine, saith the Lord. And I got a text back, and I appreciate the honesty in it and uh, uh, the humility. But this deacon said to me, how do you minister to Jesus? And it provoked me. I knew how I was going to answer it. It's a good question, Humeral. I knew how I was going to answer it. And I already knew, you know, scripture, what you say with the scripture. But as I began to meditate it, the thought just grew and grew and grew. And I thought, I'm going I'm to share this with the congregation. I think this is a, a great thing. So, between you and the Lord, we're not going to be able to get all of your answers. But as I get ready to teach this, just answer that honestly in your heart to God. And I believe that as you listen here today, there'll be a lot of things added to you in that. Fair enough? So, as far as myself, I'll just put that out there first, and then we'll go to the scriptures. I minister to the Lord um, when God gives me something. I don't, I don't care if it's a, uh, a word of the Lord, if it's a dream, if it's a vision. Uh, If something in fellowship, a thought comes from God, I take what God gives me, and I, with the best of my ability, I am obedient, diligent, and fervent to give myself over to that, and in that obedience, that ministers, ministers to Jesus. He sees that. And of course, to love the Lord thy God, when I love God with my whole heart, Jesus knows that. He sees that, and that ministers to him. So you've also got to know that he sees when you're loving something else beside him. He sees when you're being uh, lackadaisious, or you're not being diligent and fervent. But for me, I take anything and everything that the Lord gives me, and in obedience and fervency, I look to minister that back unto him. And I know that uh, it does minister to the Lord. Now, in Matthew 25, there's three main parables here. Well, three parables. In the first one, it starts off as the parable of the ten virgins. How many remember reading the ten virgins? They all had a lamp, only five had oil. You get a chance, you can read all of these uh, scripture references if you want to. The second parable is the parable of of the talents. Uh, One servant got one, another servant got two, and another one got five. And uh, the third one, in my Bible software it says the final judgment. But this is the one where in this parable of the separating of the sheep and the goats, Jesus teaches you and shows you how to minister to him. We'll cover that. But something really neat about Matthew here and the way this is set up. If you look at the parable and read through the parable of the ten virgins... You know, you could do like we were taught to do years ago, and you could take all these words, and you could use the terminology, I'm letting the Bible interpret the Bible, uh, which is not true. It's the spirit of truth. All interpretations belong to God. It's the spirit of truth that interprets uh, the Bible. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So when you're looking at interpreting, the spirit interprets the Bible. If you just try to do it on your own, we have seen what takes place when that happens. People get scattered. They get lost. They get puffed up in their mind with knowledge. And I, I have seen many times what they're calling the Word of God, what they're saying is wisdom. I'll be nice. It's garbage. <laughs> it's not what they're saying it is. But if the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Truth interprets for you, that's spot on. Now you have a word of the Lord with understanding that you can embrace with all your heart, walk by and live in that faith that God has given to you. Are you with me? So instead of taking every word here and trying to compile this thing that tells you uh, what these parables are, I'm going to do it this simple. The parable of the ten virgins, God is telling you to get ready. Make yourself ready. Be ready. Ready. That's his parable. How about the next one? The parable of the talents. What's it teaching you? When God gives you something, don't hide it within yourself. Reproduce it. Reproduce it, and in doing so, you're going to be a good and faithful servant. Is that pretty simple? Is there a simplicity that's in Jesus? But notice this. Put them all together, because the next thing is all of this is setting you up to learn and and understand how to minister to Jesus. Many times in the scripture, and we'll read them, um, in the Old Testament, it talks about the priest that God had called. One of the 12 tribes of Israel was named Levi, which means called out and joined to the Lord. They were separated from the rest of the tribes to be priests, to minister in God's tabernacle that he had set up. Well, he actually had them set it up. And you know what the awesome part about the the tabernacle, the type and the shadow? Well, what is the tabernacle? You could say it's Moses' tabernacle. Moses was given the law during this time. Uh, They were given instruction, very specific instructions, not only how to build it, but what materials to build with in these things. And the Levites were going to minister in this tabernacle, I'll read it to you, before the Lord. They were going to minister in this tabernacle, to the Lord. So when you think of the tabernacle in the wilderness, well, what do you think of? In the scripture, Julie's saying that it's called the tabernacle of witness. Do you know it's also called the church in the wilderness? Yeah? It's a type and shadow of the body of Christ, which you are members of in particular. So when you look at it, what does the ministers, or when you're ministering before the Lord, where is that taking place at? In the tabernacle, in the body of Christ. This is really cool. This should come together for you. But when God called out the Levites, within the Levites was Moses' brother named Aaron. Nadab, Abihu, Ithamar. You you can read all of the sons. And they were given the uh, office of a high priest. They were the ones that were going to go in and intercede with God in the holiest of holies. They were the only ones allowed, the high priest. Then they were going to mediate and make intercession for Israel before God. They, after they were consecrated, sanctified, they did everything that he told them to do, how to dress, what to take in there, to go through this, I'll say it this way, whole ceremony of being sanctified, cleansed, uh, and bring the right things before the Lord to be able to mediate and intercede. They would confess the people's sins and their own They would have a sacrifice and incense, and God would accept their intercession for one year. Had to do it every year. Every year. And uh, the rest of the Levites, they put together the tabernacle. They handled the offerings and the sacrifices, whether it was a sin offering, a trespass offering, all the different offerings. But this is what I want to bring out about this to you. When God asked them to minister to him, to minister to him uh, before the Lord, he gave them what they needed. So I said earlier that when God gives me, I'll just say it this way, a word. When he talks to me, I have a word of the Lord. That's what I minister to Jesus. Does that make sense to you? So if God gives you peace, can you minister that to Jesus? If God fills you, your heart with love, and love him with all your heart, can you minister that to Jesus? See, a minister is a servant. So you're serving him with what he gives you. When they built the tabernacle, they had sh- uh, shittim wood, they had ram skin dyed red, they used all these different materials, uh, gold, silver, brass. But notice, everything they ministered with, even building the tabernacle, and the sacrifices, God told them, What material, he gave them the things they were going to minister with. That's a very key point in understanding how do I minister to Jesus. And you'll see why here. Because there's some things that you try to minister to the Lord that aren't accepted. How many of you remember uh, Cain and Abel? Yeah? We're going to get in and talk about today about the blessings and the curse. Because when you minister to the Lord, you're blessed by doing it. When when you're not obedient to hearken unto the voice of the Lord, you can be cursed. We'll talk about that. Deuteronomy uh, 28 here today. So in, in simplicity, how do I minister to the Lord? Tim, in obedience. Walker, fervently. How do I love the Lord? With all my heart. And in doing so, that ministers to Jesus. You're with me so far. I'll get back to the story about Cain and Abel as we go. Let's look at Matthew 25. So we talked about the parable of the ten virgins. We talked about the parable of the ten talents. And now this parable, as I said in my Bible software, says the final judgment. This is actually where the sheep and the goats are being separated, and that's why it's called the final judgment. But this parable shows you very plainly how to minister to Jesus. I'm going to read a little bit in verse uh, 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, isn't that Jesus? When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Interesting. We just taught on the good shepherd, didn't we? We put those things <laughs> online, those recordings. I've got some good feedback. I'm, I'm looking to talk to Pastor Kenny today about, he said he wants to talk about the thief. And so we should have a real good conversation today. Uh, so the, the shepherd, and it is the good shepherd, he divides the sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. <clears throat> then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for, for you from the foundation of all. Now this is very important, because there's a kingdom prepared for you. There was a kingdom prepared here. How do I get that kingdom? How do I inherit it? I'm glad you asked. We're going to answer it right here. And I'll tell you how. By being blessed. Well, how do you get blessed? By ministering to Jesus. You're with me? And here's, here's where he goes into it. Verse 35. For I was and hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me then shall the righteous answer him saying lord when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink when saw we saw thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee quick note they didn't know some of you don't know that you have ministered to jesus and today, I hope the eyes of your understanding being enlightened can go back and see, hey, I, I have ministered to Jesus. This is why I'm blessed. They're saying, hey, we don't even know. When did we do this? But he's saying, you did it. You ministered to me. But they're asking, how? Can you explain this to us? How would, you, would you guys like this explained to you how you ministered to Jesus, how you're blessed and you may not even know that it happened? Here we go. Verse 40 is the key. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto, the, unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Did you hear that? Now from this portion of scripture, this is why a lot of people try to help people in this physical world. We set up uh, prison ministries. We set up food banks to feed the hungry. To, to do all these things that Jesus said there. But I want to point you to, to what he said and, and make this a spiritual application. Those things are good. I'm glad we do that. We do a lot of that. Help people. Make sure they have food. Uh, you know, visit people. Matter of fact, I visited somebody in prison last night. It was via phone call. But uh, the man's been in prison for 19 years. And Timmy's got eight left. Um. Real bad situation. He's in there uh, for first-degree murder. He's doing his time. If, if he makes parole after uh, these eight years, then he will have paid his debt to society. You know, I'm sure you can all have your own opinions on how that works or whatever. But what we're doing is ministering the Word of God to him. I've set up a group of people, which uh, Tim is one of them, and um, Brad, all men. You might not like my judgment, but I'm sorry. The, the women aren't calling and talking on the phone. I know what I'm doing, okay? So we have men minister to him, he's the most thankful person that you've ever seen. I mean, can you imagine being locked up for 27 years, Nicole? And most of the time, you're in a cell for 23 hours out of the day. Mike, he'll call on the phone, and it literally sounds like the description of how people sell he- uh, say hell is. Those guys are in different uh, story cells screaming, at the top of their lungs, yelling, cussing, and you're there having to listen to this 24-7. But God has given this man peace through the ministry, through this ministry, through Jesus Christ has helped him have peace and making it through this thing, Mike. When this, he told me he's going to testify about this. Before he got in this trouble, Christy and I he, he was a carny. You guys know what a carny is? These carnivals that go around? There's somebody that works at one of those. He was doing that. He was on drugs and just a, a bad life. It was terrible going on. Heroin, a bunch of different things. He told me last night, Chris, you and I felt the desire, the need to go visit him. <clears throat> this is John Knuckles. This whole church started in Chicago with uh, John Knuckles Sr., who then gave the church over to Jeff Whedon. Who then gave the church over basically to all of us as minister. Uh, the seven elders that you know. and got, Well, he actually gave it to me. He made me senior pastor and uh, CEO of the company. And then, you know what we did? We gave it to Jesus. And Jesus set it up. With seven elders and all the deacons and all the ministry you see right now. We followed Jesus and let him. It's his church. I don't want no pardon running it. I, I want to serve. I want to serve him in this church and be obedient and minister to him in all things. Uh, but John Knuckles Jr. was at carnival, and uh, Christy and I went to see him. You know why we went to tell him? You need to be back in church. We, we've served God with you. This is no life for you. You need to come to church. He told me that um, before we showed up there, he'd already made up his mind he was going to kill himself. We didn't know that, Chris. I didn't know it until last night. But he said he's going to testify one day to him. He'd already made up his mind he's going to kill himself. And uh, the Lord ministered to him. So the soul that God is after. All souls are mine, saith the Lord. The soul that God is after that is in you. I'll say it that way. That was in John. We went and ministered to that soul, which is Jesus. He didn't immediately turn, and he got into an altercation with a guy that was a uh, major alcoholic. And they'd already fought before. This guy had got the best of him before. This time when they started to fight, John made the mistake of grabbing a rubber mallet. And here's an even bigger mistake. He said, and he used explicit language, I'm going to blank kill you. People heard that. He hit the guy in the knee. The guy went down. He hit him on the head. 30 days later, the guy died of seizures. He was an alcoholic. And, you know, only God knows. Most people uh, very close to John believe it was from the alcohol, not the hit on the head, nevertheless. Nevertheless. He got for that judge, Mike, and the judge said, I'm going to make an example of you. First degree murder. 27 years, life sentence. Now, I said all that because we take these scriptures as... You know, we have a prison ministry, and we do visit people in prison, don't we, Tim? With the word of the Lord. John, as another, actually, I talked, I visited two people in prison last night. I got another phone call uh, from another individual. And um, we speak the word of the Lord to them, don't we, Tim? We answer their questions. We pray for them. But here in verse 40, did you see what Jesus said? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, he said, You've done it unto me. So who's the brethren of the Lord? Who is it? Is that the souls that are in God? Is that the souls like Adam and his generation that have fallen? See, Jesus made a statement. He said... I've come to seek and save that which was lost. Did Adam fall? Is there many examples? Actually, every one of them except Jesus. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The scripture teaches this is a salvation of the Lord. He is getting back to him what was lost in him. Now you say, well, what part do I have in this? You have a conscience and a perception of God, don't you? So as a physical person, you get to be conscious and perceive God's work, what He's doing, when He's bringing salvation to His souls. The brethren, you know, if you go back, well, the brethren, who is it? Was it Israel? Were those His brothers? Yeah. Then He said in John uh, 10, we've just recently talked about this, those are my sheep, but I got another fold I need to bring in. Who would that be, Jennifer? gentile there if you're circumcised in your heart in the spirit letter then are you in the family of God you sure are in Matthew 12 you can look at this yourself there was a day when they brought they said your mother and your brethren are without they come to talk to you and Jesus said who is my mother who is my brother and who is my sister what they say They that do the will of my father, the same is my mother, my brother, my sister. So what I'm saying to you is, if you do the will of God, are you is that who's being ministered to? Are those thoughts in you, are those the souls that have fallen, that need to have truth and the word of God come and redeem? It's the salvation of the Lord. You know, it's funny, years ago, but well, we talk a lot about Deuteronomy 13 in verse 6. And there's a great warning there that there are are divisions of your soul. I like to say it that way because God's divided it out. There are divisions of your soul that could lead you astray to go serve other gods. Go look at it. He said, the, the brother, the friend, the daughter, the wife, and who else? Is it the son? Which are as thine own soul. They could lead you astray to go serve other gods. Okay? So if these souls could, serve, uh, could lead you astray to go serve other gods, do they need to be ministered to? Have they fallen away from Jesus And they need to be ministered to. You know, it's really neat if you think about this. And I've experienced this in the spirit. Well, you you, you might think to yourself, well, God doesn't need you to minister to him. God's perfect. Well, this is his story. And he's telling you in his story how good and evil works, how sin works, how righteousness works. He wrote a story to teach you how to think like him. How to perceive what salvation really is. What a soul is. What a spirit. It's all in his story. When you're talking about ministering to his souls. You're ministering to Jesus. Where are his souls at? Where are they at? Are they in his story? Are they in him? God gave me some great understanding the other day. And I've been ministering to some of the deacons. I'll look forward to sharing it with you. But you know how we talk about. Um, it's in me. And and we uh, promote very heavily, take the word of God inward. Take it inward, because doesn't the Bible say that the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, for the kingdom of God is within you? Where's Jesus at right now? How would you answer? Didn't he say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will come into him. Paul said in Ephesians 4, there's one God, one Father, who's above all and in you all. But here's the secret to this. Watch this. When you're talking about the scriptures and God's story, is is he talking about his story and those characters? I'll say it that way. Everybody in the Bible is in his story, or is he telling a story about physical people? So when he's telling you that the kingdom of God is within you, That's the terrestrial man in the scripture. That's where the inner man is. A better way of saying it is, I'm in him. If you have a conscience and a perception of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus, of God's will and his work taking place, where did you get that at? In him. You're actually in him. And in him, he's ministering to those souls. He's going to get it all back, Carrie. He's not going to lose anything. You say, well, what part do I have in that if if I'm not being saved? Huh? What part do you have? Well, you have a conscience, and you have a perception of that realm. In other words, you're experiencing eternity. And I hope every single person here understands and believes that First of all, one day, all of us, we're going to leave this life. And God's prepared a place for us called the spirit realm. And in the spirit realm, there's a good place and there's a bad place. There's heaven and hell. There's, There's a heaven and there's an earth. There's all these things. Is God preparing you for your eternity by letting you experience his salvation, the Bible? He sure is. And as a human being, as we perceive the work of God and we experience the spirit realm and we become more spiritual, we put on the mind of God. We we experience the experiences of God in, in love, in joy, in peace. What a wonderful place to be. You say, well, the world's going to hell in a handbag right now. Well, then get in the spirit and look at your eternity. As a matter of fact, I'll be very bold here today. Not only look at it, Mike, but God has given you power as a member of this family to create it. God's a creator, you're his offspring. You don't realize how much power God's put in your hands. Have you ever thought negatively and said negative things to somebody and created horrible things in them? Some parents do that to their children. Some husbands do that to their wives. Some wives do that to their husbands. So you can testify to me that you've done it in unrighteousness, Now you need to testify to me that you believe the word of the Lord here today. That you believe me and you can create righteousness, peace, and joy. And listen, I'm going to say it very carefully. In the Holy Ghost. This work of God is so much bigger than just a Christian ideology. It comes down to being able to experience God. Putting on the mind of Christ and letting God share his story with you. 66 books. Genesis to Revelation. Mike, that's why it was so awesome in human when God gave you that understanding. Mike said the Bible is what? It's, the story of it's his story. It's the story of Christ from beginning to end. When Mike said that, I was so excited. that God gave that to him. When he received that, that ministered to Jesus. Are you with me? See how much time we got left here. In that you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Who is my mother? Who is my brother? Who is my sister? They that do the will of my Father which is in heaven. You know, years ago, um, when Jeff was in charge, and we did quote unquote the is as's, let the Bible interpret the Bible, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says, I will say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and I will call understanding thy kinswoman. So when you'd have a dream and you'd tell it to Jeff, if your sister was in it, he interpreted that as wisdom. If you um, had a dream with your mother in it, he interpreted it as understanding. And if you look at the different aspects of the soul, aspects, I like to say division, it's gonna take a little while to to fix those words there. But um, if you look at the, the division of the souls in Deuteronomy 13, there's two male and two female and one that could go either way, right? So you say, well, I don't have a sister or I I don't have a a brother. I don't have a son or I don't have a daughter. Do you got a friend? See, God's gonna get it one way or another. And and if you look at in the story of God, I'll give you a couple examples real quick because we're talking about these souls. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm, I'm giving you the divisions of the soul, the friend. And you know what? It's more than that. David said, my soul is even as a weaned child. Is that child weaned yet? (laughs) But he's saying, this is how you see a division of my soul. You'll see it as a weaned child. And I started the scriptures with wisdom and sister and understanding. Jeff used to say that was, um, you know, wisdom. I say they're divisions of the soul. Every single, if you want to say character, individual in the Bible, whether male or female is a division of the soul. And when you look at God's, they're his souls. He's getting them back. You say, well, and I get to experience this? Yes, you do. So when you're experiencing God, and God's showing you sin, watch this. You, you never have to experience condemnation ever again. Fear, or any of these things. Why? Because you can understand them. When, when God's teaching you about sin, who sinned from the beginning? Did it say Christie Heron sinned? This is 1 John 3 and 8. Who sinned from the beginning? The devil sinned from the beginning. It was the devil sinned from the beginning. So when God's teaching you about sin, how does he teach it in his story? Here's how Lucifer fell. Here's how Adam fell. Huh? Bringing in another will, saying, I will. And, and if you understand God is teaching you spiritual things and His story, the revelation of Jesus Christ, you will never ever again say, I'm the one that sinned. I'm the one that's condemned. Is it that? Do you, are you following with me? Because He's letting you partake of spiritual things, He's letting you partake of His story. Now, here's the deal. Like I said already, we use this terminology, we'll continue to do it because how the Bible's written. God wrote the Bible in a mystery. He's hid it from all humanity. And then you know what he does, Mike? He comes to you and says, I've chosen you to understand what I've written. That's why when the disciples went to him and asked him, why do you speak in parables? Well, unto you it's given. Well, what about the multitude? Unto them it's not given. So you look at the Bible, it's written in a parable, it's written in a uh, a mystery, and the only way you understand it, Mike, is when God gives it to you. So really, in the Bible, it talks about, and we always say this, uh, all this is in me. The kingdom of heaven is in me. But in reality, when you're in God, that's where it's at. In other words, you understand and you experience all these things in him. We'll talk more about that. Any questions at this point? Carrie. Go and read it in Matthew 13. She said, can the multitude give fruit back? He said, uh, unto you it's given. It's not given to them. Lest at any time they hear with their ear, understand with their heart, you know, uh, be converted and I should heal them. Go read it because I didn't say it exactly right. But yeah, absolutely. But at that time, Carrie, he's talking to his disciples. Who was he there for at that time? The 12th the twelve and Judas is going to be replaced with Paul. He even told his disciples, when you go preach, you only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Because it wasn't even given to the Gentiles yet. That came in with the Apostle Peter, and ultimately was done by the Apostle Paul. So you've got to understand those things. Do you have any other questions? Sharon. I never thought about that before. Um, on Wednesday night you were teaching and you had uh, brought up the illustration of being in prison. Right. As the prison of being, as a prison in your mind. Well, it's funny because I had told you about this prison that uh, John Knuckles was in in Illinois. He was in Pontiac. I forget where he's at right now. Dansville. One more time. I think he's in Dansville. Dansville. Those are physical prisons, right? But what about the captivity of your mind? This is what Sharon's talking about. Has anybody ever been in a fear that affects your mind, that actually affects your whole body, or condemnation, or any of those things? Those are captivities. You're just not in prison, in a physical prison. So interesting enough, even though John is in a physical prison, he could be out of captivity in his mind because of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Or vice versa. You may never have went to jail in your life. You may never have even committed a crime. But in your heart and your mind, you're in such torment and such a captivity and begging God, asking God, pleading with God, Lord, get me out of this hell that I live in in my mind. Bryce, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I know because I lived it. It's the reason why I turned to Jesus. I was sick and tired of the way I thought, the hatred that was in my heart, all the fighting and the things that we did. That was the prison, Sharon. That was the captivity. He came and introduced himself to me, and and listen, he fed me, he gave me drink, he visited me in my captivity, huh, come on, what else does it say there, when I was naked, he clothed me, aren't you, see when you're talking about clothes, I love the clothes drives, let's do that, that's awesome. But you know in the book of Revelation, there's a gown of salvation, a robe of righteousness. Do you know where you get that clothing? Uh, In the spirit. That comes from God. He, He ministers that salvation to you. He clothes you in your nakedness. To be naked is ashamed. Adam was naked in the beginning. God had planned on clothing him. God didn't have a problem that Adam didn't understand everything. It was when Adam ate of the tree and the tree told him he was naked was the problem. He listened to his own thoughts, folks. That's what will put you into captivity. And, and when you're walking in the flesh, you're in prison. Because that captivity of the flesh is uh, uh, its an enmity against God. It's an opposing hatred. So what do we need? We need the, the visitation of Jesus. Huh? We need a word of peace. A word of understanding that gets us out of that prison. Sharon? And You know, interesting. All this is in the Bible. But you know what's cool about why we don't always understand all these spiritual things? Because God has hid it from His creation. He's hid it from the physical realm. Is it Ecclesiastes 3, Tim, verse 11. God has made everything beautiful in His time. Also, He has set the world in their hearts. He's talking about His souls, the sons of men. Sons of God. He said... Uh, He has set the world in their heart that they might not find out the work that he maketh from the beginning to the end. So I'm gonna tell you something here today. Kim, Rick, the whole Rojas family, everybody in this church, you should feel very honored. You should feel very privileged to be hearing the word of the Lord and know that God in his majesty has called you. He has drawn you, Mike Green, to this place, chosen you to hear these words in this physical realm. And hear me when I say this, because you are his. You know what I just did? I just ministered to Jesus, because I know exactly who I'm talking about and talking to when I minister. You with me? Any other questions? Let me do one quick thing. When you're talking about these souls that lead you astray to go serve other gods, you got both good and evil. Let's use the wife for an example. Isaiah explains it very well in his first chapter. He said the faithful city has become a harlot. So who's the faithful city? Look in the book of Revelation. It's the Lamb's bride. It's New Jerusalem. It's a city sent down from heaven adorned as a bride for her husband. But in the story of God, something happened, Carrie. This faithful city become a harlot. See, when you're talking about uh, committing adultery, Spiritually, You know what committing adultery is? Go and serving another God. Why? Because you're a spouse to the Lord. So when you serve other gods in the thoughts of your mind, in your heart, that's what that is. The Lord is your husband. You're the church. You're the bride. So my point is you have a negative division of the wife and then you have the positive one. In the ministry to Jesus, it ministers and changes that wife, the soul of God, back to New Jerusalem. How about the friend? David said, and Jesus fulfilled it with Judas Iscariot, my own familiar friend has lifted up his heel against me. There's a friend that's against you. But is there a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Are you with me in in understanding these things? That's the wife. That's the friend. What about the son? Is there a son of perdition? Bad. Is there a son of God? Yeah. What does a son of perdition do? Lead you astray to go serve other gods. We're talking spiritual here. We're talking about in the spirit realm. And I'll say in your heart. Because I'm talking to the soul that's in you. I'm ministering to Jesus right now. (laughs) All this takes place in him. And the good news is, he's called you and given you an invitation to into him and to see these things and hear these things and understand to experience him Bryce and his story this is not about you just trying to become a morally sound person huh? so what's the whole key here folks abiding in him is that, isn't that great there is so much more to say but I'm going to stop if you read in uh, Deuteronomy 28 that's a chapter that says, uh, I've set before you a blessing and a curse. And he tells you all the blessings. It's a big read. I thought about doing it today, but I'm not going to. It's a big read. And then you read the curses, and there are even more. But do you know why all those things take place while you're blessed or you're cursed? It's real simple. The first three, chap- first three verses of Deuteronomy 28 tell you. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to spend some more time next week in this, if that's okay with you guys. He said, if you will hearken to my voice. And be obedient to my commandments. Remember what I told you in the beginning? He also says in their mic, diligently. So what I said to you, how I live for God and minister to Jesus, it's actually scriptural too. Because He said, obey my commandments. Diligently keep my commandments and you'll be blessed. But because you haven't, what does he say? You're going to be cursed. You're going to be cursed. I'll leave you with this. I've experienced the sacrifices of Cain and Abel in the spirit? Think about this, very important. God told both Cain and Abel what to bring for a sacrifice. He told Cain, go get your sacrifice from your brother. Your brother has the right sacrifice. He told him what to bring. You know what Cain said in his mind? I got a better sacrifice. My sacrifice is so much superior than my brother's Abel, Not only will God appreciate it more than Abel's sacrifice, Mike, he said in himself, God cannot reject it. It is so much more superior, God, and this is why when you look in the scripture, God went to Cain and his countenance had fell, and he was wroth against God, he just was so mad at God that God wouldn't accept what, you know what Abel said in his mind? As soon as God asked for the sacrifice, he said, I will do What the Lord has told me to do, and I will be blessed. It was that simple. Cain said, I got something better. In other words, you know what he's saying? I'm above God. And I'm going to show God that I got it. What happened to Cain? He was cursed. There was a mark put on him. This is not that hard, folks. Be obedient to the voice of God. You will be blessed. You will minister to Jesus. Have I done okay today yeah. to answer that question? Any question before we go? This is still burning my heart. I think we're going to, maybe I'll let Tim McHenry say about 10 minutes or something next week and I'll get back up here. Does that sound okay? Okay, I appreciate you guys. Love you. Uh, pray one for another and um, be blessed. God bless you.